Good morning. I hope you guys are doing well. The weather seemed to turn a little bit cold again. Go back to, you know, we've, we haven't had winter yet really this year, so just decided to come out, I guess. So uh, we've been in the midst of this uh, Be Heard series where we've been walking through the Lord's Prayer. And uh, it's been a really powerful series for myself, just in, in that it's brought back a number of spiritual disciplines and habits that, that you know, I may not have emphasized as much as I should have over the last few years, and it's been really beneficial to me. Um, we've been walking through the Lord's Prayer, and it's a fair thing to say that the Lord's Prayer is, uh, that we could look at it like a daily discipline or, a, uh, the, or the roadmap for our daily inner life. You know, we have at the beginning of the prayer, our Father, a recognition of the Father, a sense of wonder and gratitude towards Him. There's in the beginning, in the middle of there, uh, I'm sorry, in the beginning of the prayer, it has a, a uh, asking for provision. And then we get to today's verse where it says, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive those, uh, as we forgive our debtors. And it's just, uh, it's, it's kind of a shift of gears. And so let me read for us. Let me just read it. This is Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Jesus said, Jesus said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. <clears throat> but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. Uh-oh. <laughs> we have any road ragers in here? Okay, we got some, there's some honesty. We had a couple people. There's probably more than that in here, you know. Road rage is funny to me, which really makes road ragers mad. Like, that's a way, I mean, laugh at somebody who's raging on the road, and it's like you're putting a target on yourself, you know, for people to get extremely mad at you. Because it's just funny. You know, you're sitting in traffic, and you're raging at traffic, which you have no control over, and um, it's just funny to me. Uh, years ago, I bought a pickup, not too long ago, actually. I, I paid $2,500 for this pickup. <clears throat> it was in the last decade. It was awesome. Um, not when I was a kid, but, you know, I had $2,500 to spend, and I needed to buy a pickup. So I wound up searching around, and I found this uh, San Antonio. It was in Bear County, and so it was a Bear County work truck. It was an F-350, a 1997 F-350, crew cab, long bed. So it was about as long as the stage. I mean, it was just huge. It was like driving an aircraft carrier. It had a, for its size, it had a pretty small motor. It wasn't a diesel, and so, I mean, I was never in a hurry to get anywhere. You know, because I'm, and it was, the coolest thing about it was that it only had 60-something thousand miles on it, which was crazy. Like, wow, how do you get a truck, you know, really good price for that? Well, the reason why was because it looked like a telephone pole had fallen on the back, on the bed of it. And so it just kind of was dented like a big, you know, dent in the bed. And it just looked, it looked really bad, but it ran really well. And so I'm like, hey, that's perfect for me. It's like me, you know? So... <laughs> So I would, uh, it was great for traffic. I mean, it's like awesome. I mean, I did liability insurance. I'm not going to spend any extra money on that. I mean, if it gets a dent in the, in the door, like whatever, there's another one right next to it. I'm not going to fix that. And so, I mean, I'd drive along, and I'm driving as slow as can be because, you know, it won't go any faster. And 
people are just trying to push into traffic, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not moving, sorry, you know, and, and when it's time for me to merge into traffic, I'm looking, I look around to make sure I'm not being completely, a complete and total jerk, but then I'm just moving into traffic, because you know what, people will get out of my way. <laughs> I'm in an aircraft carrier, like, it, and it looks like it's already been beat to pieces, so they know, they know, all right? I loved that truck. Uh, not, not a week after I had it, I was on my way to work, and there was this guy on a brand new Honda Civic. It had like the, the uh, you know, I said it was Civic in the first service. It was an Accord, actually, so it was like the nicer one, I guess. I don't know. But it had, a pa- it had paper plates on it. It was brand new. And he was one of those guys that just had to overcome the zipper. You know when you're getting in traffic, and it's like, okay, your turn. Now it's my turn. Oh, now it's your turn. Now, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. Like, you know, kindergartners can figure out that you should take turns, right? Well, this guy was like, no, no, I have an Accord, you know? And he was gunning it up, like running up beside, of, uh, beside us, and he was uh, tailgating this, like, grandmother who was right in front of him. And I'm driving along, and I'm just like, I'm starting to kind of giggle, like, well, I don't know what he thinks is going to happen because I'm not moving, you know? And, and he was like, you know, bro, he starts road raging at me, like, get out of my way. And I'm like, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, like, I'm just, I'm driving and he kind of moves his car like he's going to bump me. And I'm like, dude, you have paper tags, all right? <laughs> Look at this thing. And he just rages, rawr, you know, he's so mad. And then I couldn't help myself. I laughed out loud. Like, you know, like, like and oh, my goodness, road rage. That's senseless. So, you know, this whole idea of forgiving others, It causes us some grief because Jesus puts some pretty heavy-duty words attached to this. He says, if you don't forgive, then my Father's not going to forgive you. So let's read it again because it is heavy. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Verse 14, if you forgive others their trespasses or sins, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, neither will your Father forgive yours. You know, it's, it's one thing to talk about road rage. But forgiveness is a serious, life-altering issue for so many people. It doesn't take any time at all with a child who's been abused to develop a real honest rage at someone. It doesn't, it's entirely understandable if your spouse has betrayed you to have true anger at someone. Many of us in this room have had a boss or a superior, or maybe it was a colleague, utterly destroy our future at a certain company. Painful. Real damage, not road rage, but damage. And yet Jesus says about those things as well, that if you forgive, our Father will forgive you. If you don't, our Father won't. And that's a very scary statement. And I'll get to that in a few minutes about how to treat that. But here's the thing. Forgiving made the Lord's Prayer. You know, I said a moment ago that that the Lord's Prayer can be looked at as a daily discipline. And I I talked about it a second ago, a daily sense of acknowledgement of God's fatherhood in your life, a daily acknowledgement of wonder and gratitude, a daily submission to the Lord. These are things that we should be doing daily. 
The daily appeal for God to provide for our needs and the daily offering of forgiveness to the people in our lives. And I, I think it's pretty wise for us to stop and think about that for a moment. We should be keeping very short accounts with people. And if you're living with frustration and bitterness, that's not something God wants you to live with. It's a good thing to think about this thing in terms of daily, daily forgiveness. So verse 14, it's pretty scary. If you forgive others, he'll forgive you. You don't, he won't. So what is forgiveness? Well, the word forgiveness is the Greek word, and uh, when we pronounce Greek words now, we really, we, we really always butcher it, so I'm always hesitant to do it, but I'll say it anyway because I want to sound really smart. A-P-M-I, all right? And like I said, that's a butchering of the pronunciation. But it is a word that is used not in just in relationships and in forgiveness, but it's a word that means literally to let go, to release, to put away from to let go, to release, and to put away from. And Jesus, I'm sorry, God uses this, the psalmist uses this in description of what God does for us in Psalms 103 when he says, as far as the east is from the west, is how, where I've put your sins in relation to you. And that's really far in a time when they thought the world was flat. As far as the east is from the west, that's what God has done with our sins. He has placed it. He has let go of it. He has put it away. So the word literally means to put away, to let go. And so practically speaking, I'm talking just pretty plain terms. When someone hurts us, it's often that we'll be cruising along and we'll see something or hear something and we'll think of that person. And immediately there's just this, hmm. Or maybe you're not even thinking about him, and then it'll just cross your mind for some reason and it'll come back. You just, you just think about how angry you are at them. And truthfully, you know, in the Old Testament when uh, the law was an eye for an eye, that was actually a reduction of anger Because when someone offends us, it's not so much that we want justice. We want revenge. If we let ourselves just run wild, someone who steals from you or hurts you, you may go so far as to want to destroy their whole lives, which is not justice at all. It's like like upending the whole, you turn into the one, you turn into the destroyer. But, But that's what we do. And so that thing that they've done to you, Whatever it is, because I mean, there's, there's people in here who we, we carry heavy stuff. The types of memories that we wish we could forget, the types of conversations and the types of failures that people, I mean, we carry heavy stuff. And when we think about these things, the, feel, the feeling we have, the anger, the vengefulness we have is almost like a sign over their head or a sign over their heart when it comes to that person. And forgiveness is literally taking that sign, taking your anger, taking your vengefulness, and putting it away, letting it go. 
That is the picture of forgiveness. You let it go. Forgiveness. Paul in Romans uh, 19, I'm sorry, 12, 19 says this. He says, do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. It is mine to avenge, says the Lord. I will repay. And so when we have that feeling and that desire to get even, the anger we have at someone, that revenge, we have to put it away. We have to let it go. And forgiveness is doing that while simultaneously trusting that God's justice is better than yours. His justice and his mercy is greater and better than yours. And so when we forgive, we let go and we trust God with what's going to happen. Here's what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not ignoring that someone hurts you or trying to ignore it and saying, yeah, it's okay. Oh, yeah, you know, they stole everything from me, but that's okay. Oh, you know, they, they, that person wrecked our family, but, you know, that's okay. That, that's not forgiveness. That's something else, but that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is acknowledging what they've done and putting it away. That kind of a thought process doesn't even begin to acknowledge that someone has hurt you. And for some, for some of us, that's hard to actually back up and say, yeah, that person actually hurt me because our pride is such that we can't even admit it. But it's there. Forgiveness is not foolishness. Forgiveness is not foolishness. If someone has stolen from you repeatedly, you're not going to forgive them and then give them your money again. That's foolish. Forgiveness is not turning yourself into a doormat and letting people just continually take advantage of you. Forgiveness is not ignoring healthy boundaries. This is tough because there are times when you go through a relationship and you have a a breaking of the relationship and then then there's a mending of the relationship or, or maybe you've chosen to, again, release, to let go of your desire for vengeance or your anger at this person but that person hasn't changed. And there are times to talk about it with them, and there are times to not. And I'll get at some of that in a little bit. But the thing is that it's not letting go of the boundaries that protect, that protect you. That's not forgiveness. People don't get to go right back to the stuff they used to do. The whole notion of forgiving and forgetting is um, that's not really what Jesus is talking about here. Because just we should be wise. I mean, I'm not going to hold it against someone, but I'm not going to forget if someone has wrecked my car three or four times and forget about it and here, take my keys again. That's not enforcing. I mean, that's just foolishness. That's not forgiveness. And yet people can ask us and expect that, right? You know, forgiveness is also not necessarily without anger. Here's what I mean by that. You get angry with someone. And then you choose to let go of the offense. But you're like a pressure cooker. And all that anger is still inside of you. And pretty much the only safe way to deal with a pressure cooker is to let the safety valve off a little bit slowly, right? Otherwise, boom. 
And yet, oftentimes, it seems like when we are in a relationship, another person can expect us to switch and things to be awesome immediately. And you know, isn't it true that sometimes you just need a little bit of space, even though you've forgiven the other person? And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. So forgiveness is not always without anger. Now, here's the deal. You, have, you, you don't get to hold on to that anger. You have to let it go. And sometimes it takes a while to simmer down. Forgiveness is also not once and done forever. You will have to continually go back. If you are willing to live a life of forgiveness, you will continually go back. And that image will come up in your mind. That offense will come up in your mind. Your anger will rise inside of you. And you will have to take it and put it aside. You will have to lay it down. It's why Jesus tells, really, it's why this is kind of a daily discipline. And over the time of us continually putting it aside and continually putting it aside, the anger does subside. So, I mean, this is serious. And it's kind of scary. Because Jesus says real plainly, if you forgive, my Father forgives. But if you don't forgive, my Father won't forgive. And that's a very scary phrase. And honestly, it's a little bit out of sync with a lot of what we know to be true in Scripture. Because any time there's something that pops up in Scripture that seems a little bit out of sync, we have to back off and interpret that phrase in light of all of Scripture. And let me just start by saying, um, Jesus spoke in parables. And Jesus uh, used hyperbole. And we don't do him justice or the Bible justice when we go to the Bible and we approach it like an appliance manual. Like I'm a washing machine in, you know, that needs to be programmed to wash clothes at well. You've probably even heard people say that, that the Bible is your manual for life. And while there are parts of it that that's, that's true, but it's, it's a lot more than that. And to approach the Bible with just that very simplistic view that everything you read in the Bible is literal and everything you read in the Bible is true, but not everything is literal. Jesus often did not speak in literal terms. A parable is not a literal thing that happens. It's a story. And so when you read these passages, it's just, it requires more finesse and wisdom than approaching it like an appliance manual. The Bible is your family history. It is a love letter to you from God. It is a biography of truth throughout the ages. It is an instruction manual. It's also an instruction manual for church. The Bible is full of lots of, I mean, there's, there's tons of narratives. I mean, it's just the Bible is a really complex book and we cannot reduce it down to a simple set of rules. That's why Jesus came. He came in the flesh. Because a rule book wasn't good enough. The Ten Commandments didn't work. He came in the flesh. 
to be more three-dimensional a person. So when we look at the fullness of Scripture, we see that once we have trusted in Jesus, we are forgiven for sin. The Bible calls it being justified. You've been justified. You've been declared righteous. And that's one of those things that he does. He does it, and he doesn't go back on it. It's like a judgment. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace have you been saved through faith. Not, not through works, not through anything else, but through faith. That God has saved you um, by grace through faith. Through grace by faith. So, so how do we approach some, a verse like this that is so shocking, where Jesus literally tells you that he won't, Father won't forgive you? I mean, there's only, I mean, there's one other place in Scripture where it says, Jesus says there's, an un, there's like one unforgivable sin. And it's not necessarily this. He says the unforgivable sin uh, is attributing to the Holy Spirit evil. So in other words, if you, have, if you are not able to recognize God as good, you will never come to him in order to be forgiven because you will look at him as something evil to be avoided. That's what the unforgivable, that's what blaspheming is, is acknowledging or ascribing evil to God and believing that and hanging on to that belief. So again, this is a, this is a confusing passage and it should, it should kind of scare us a little bit because Jesus is saying something really powerful. So let me take the easy thing first. Uh, I don't think that it should be any surprise to us that at one point, uh, if you have been closer to God and had a really rich relationship with God, maybe as a teenager, college student, or maybe when you first became a believer recently, but oftentimes we go through these seasons of life where God is just right with us and we feel very close to him. And then there are seasons when we just really don't feel all that close to him. And I think one of the first places to look when you feel that way is check the bitterness in your heart. Because if you're bitter towards someone, if you're hanging on to anger and unforgiveness towards someone, your relationship with God is just not going to be really um, enjoyable. It's not going to be rich. That's like an easy thing to acknowledge. If you're bitter, you're just not going to stay close to God. You're not going to feel close to God, I should say. But here's the bigger picture truth I think that Jesus is getting at here. And that is that when he says, if you cannot forgive, our Father will not forgive you, he's really just stating a fact. He's just making a statement of truth. In the same way that James is making a statement of truth when he says, faith without works is dead. You say you have faith, but if you don't have any works of righteousness, if you have no righteousness in your life, you really don't have faith. That's something else that you have. Faith without works is dead. It's a statement of fact. Jesus also said that good trees produce good fruit. It's a statement of fact. If you are in Christ, you will produce a righteous lifestyle, love for other people, truth, wisdom, good fruit, if you're in a relationship with Jesus, you'll have good fruit. Good trees produce good fruit. It's just a statement of fact. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, this is also a statement of fact for believers, and it is, the th it is one of the things that makes 
following Jesus one of the most radical things that you can do. He said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He prefaced it by saying, you've heard to love your friends and hate your enemies, but I'm telling you something else. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And by doing, you will show that you are children of the Father. Love is the marker of a believer. Even love when it's very difficult. So what I believe Jesus is saying here is that if you have received forgiveness from Jesus, you cannot live with unforgiveness of others. It's a statement of fact. Good trees produce good fruit. Another way to look at this is that if you cannot forgive, if you cannot let go, then you likely don't have the faith that is redemptive, saving faith. You have something else. Following Jesus is radical. Love is radical. And that's what he, I mean, it's, it's just in the, it's right in the Lord's Prayer, right up front. And it's something that we often overlook, that we are to love our enemies. Let me make it a little easier for you, though. If it helps to think in terms of uh, these kind of terms, maybe, maybe it'll help you. Uh, think in terms of permanent revenge. Uh, would you really want someone to go through a permanent damage because they cut you off on the highway? Is that really what you want? Would you really want to destroy someone's whole life just because they lied to you? Is that, what, is that really what you want? Permanent revenge, is that really there? That's really what you want? Or are you really just still super annoyed? And again, this is a difficult question because some of us have been truly wronged. It's not just a matter of annoyance, but someone has betrayed us deeply, hurt us deeply. But even at that, is it really what you want for you? For you to wish evil upon someone else? Always, and never to let go of that. See, if you have saving faith, the answer is that you can't do that. You, you, you will learn at some point that that is just not who you are. So forgiveness is letting go. It's letting go of a personal offense. It's taking that anger and that vengefulness and setting it away from you. Let me read a story. This is Matthew chapter 18. Verse 21 through 25, and it's kind of difficult to read because there's lots of pronouns in here. There's lots of he's, and you have to kind of keep them straight. Peter came up to Jesus, and he said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times. You know, he's all big. You know, he's acting, he said to love people, I'll forgive someone seven times. And Jesus said to him, I don't say to you seven times, but 77 times. And again, this is one of those times that Jesus is using hyperbole. That wasn't literally 77 times you're supposed to forgive someone or 70 times seven as you may be interpreted in other passages. That's just a number that says without stopping, you're con you continually forgive. That's what you're supposed to do, Peter. 
And he backs it up by telling this story. This is a parable. He says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Okay, this is a staggering amount of money. It's not the kind of money that, this is, this is I mean, roughly, roughly 200,000 times your annual salary. All right? It's 200,000 times an annual salary. You do the math for yourself. Um, but it's, you know, pushing, it's well over, it's well into the hundreds of billions of dollars for, you know, most people that average income here. So Jesus is using hyperbole again. And this 10,000 talents is a picture for the guy can't pay him back. It's so much that no matter what he would do, there is no way possible that he could pay this guy back. Okay, it's a staggering amount of money. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. This is important. Verse 27, out of the pity for him, the master of that service, uh, servant released him and forgave him of the debt. He let it go. But... When that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is about a third of a year's salary. Not nothing. That's a good bit of money. That's, it's nothing, to, you know, nothing easy to blow off. But in relationship to this staggering amount of money, there's no relationship because one was never going to be repaid and the other one was pretty small in relation. Seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, just like he had done, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused, and when he put him in prison until he should pay the debt, went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned them and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And here's the million-dollar question. This is the question to pay attention to. Should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? There's the heart of the parable right there. In his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt, which would be never. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you who do not forgive your brother from your heart. So, you know, this is a parable, all right? These people didn't actually exist. Jesus is telling a story. This is not literal. The story, the first servant uh, owes this massive, massive amount of money that he would never be able to repay, and the master forgives him. As soon as he does that, the servant goes out and finds someone who owes him a large amount of money, and he doesn't forgive. And the master gets angry because of all the master had done. And it's like the servant didn't even recognize that he was part of this master's house. So here's the thing. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, God has forgiven you more than you could ever pay back to him. 
He has let go of all of your sin. He let it go. He took it as far as the east is from the west. He let it go. And before you think too much about, well, you know, you haven't really done all that much wrong, let's stop for a minute and think about what that sin did, what that sin cost the father. It cost him his son. His son died with every sin that you've ever committed on him for you. There is no way that you could ever repay him for that. That is way too great of a debt. He's released you from that. And then beyond that, we really don't have much of value that he would want outside of our faith and repentance. You know, how could you not forgive is the question. How could you not? That's the million dollar question. Given that you have been forgiven so deeply, how could you not? And so I want to bring up here um, like a, an illustration for us. Mark, go ahead and bring this up. You guys, thank Mark. These guys worked so hard for us. Let's thank him. All the guys in the back. You see, that question about how could you not is a moral one. It's a moral, ethical one. You've been forgiven deeply, greatly by God. How could you morally hold on to anger to someone else who may have hurt you deeply, but you can't compare. So it's a moral question, but it's also a practical question. How could you not forgive? Because here's, here's how life works. If this is us, and if, if this is the Holy Spirit and God, he gives to us life. And then we enjoy the life that he gives us. And this is a daily thing that we should go through. The Lord's Prayer, the disciplines that keeps this cycle going. But when we have anger in our heart, when we have vengefulness in our heart, there's something else that gets poured in there. And it's poison. And so this anger and vengefulness goes into our life. And even if God has been moving... It contaminates it all. And I'm not going to drink that. Okay? George was like, you should drink it. I'm like, what are you talking about, George? <laughs> Do you want me dead? But, but you get the point that when you have anger in your heart, you, you, you bring this poison into you. And, it's, and it competes with God's Holy Spirit in your life. And the two cannot coexist. And so the only way to live a life full of God is when we let go of the poison. When we let it go. And God can fill us. Now I'm still not going to drink that because it still has antifreeze in it. The parable breaks down at some point. God can fill us when we're empty of that poison. But what happens to us over time is we have this battle going on always where it comes back, you let go, but then you know what? You think about that person and there it is again. The poison's in there. And what we have to do 
because we have to let it go again. And when we do that, God then fills us. This is a cycle that goes that we have to live in if we're believers. If we trusted in Jesus, if we have a saving faith, we will continually let go of the hate in order for God to do his stuff in us because that's what he's done in you. You're his child. You don't want to destroy someone's life because in destroying their life, you destroy yours. How could you not forgive when you are poisoning yourself? When you sit there and stew over someone else, even if that person has hurt you deeply, does that impact anyone else except you and the people you love? It's like the sad story of the guy in high school who was bullied, and then he goes out and gets huge and goes back to the 20-year reunion to show up the guy who bullied him, and the bully doesn't even remember his name. That anger and that bitterness, it does nothing to the other person, nothing. It only poisons you. So you have to let it go. How could you do that? Why would you do that to yourself? And yes, it is difficult, especially when you've been deeply hurt. You see, that's why forgiveness is about faith. Forgiveness is about faith. It takes faith to forgive. God is the one who will make justice work, not you. You can trust God. You can trust him to make justice happen. You can believe him. And what's really also just incredible about this whole scenario is that when we dump out that poison, God accepts that as an act of worship. He takes our filth and our garbage and our poison and he replaces it with joy and peace. How could you not forgive practically? So trust God's justice and let it go. Whatever it is that's causing you to have that feeling towards someone else, let it go. And when it comes back, let it go again. And when it comes back, you let it go again. It's a habit because the Lord's Prayer is about habits, daily habits, our daily habits of a good, healthy, internal life. Ushers, if you guys would come down, we're going to pray for our offering. And um, today we have our Stephen ministers here at the beginning, uh, at the front of the church again, uh, after our service. Uh, on March 12th, and then I believe on March 19th, we are uh, conducting a class to help people with this issue. And our Stephen ministers will be up here after the service to help you as well. Because sometimes, sometimes you need a little help in order to let go and to pour the poison out. And so if that is you today, you know, come down and pray with someone, um, and then please be a part of this class. Uh, it's 11 o'clock on the 12th, uh, which is two weeks from today, and then again, we'll have another one on the 19th. So I'm going to pray for us, and guys, I just want to encourage you, how could you not forgive? God has forgiven you so greatly, and then how could you not, why would you continue to poison your own life? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your 
your grace and compassion and pity. Thank you for forgiving us a debt that we could never pay. Father, help us to let go of our anger at other people. Help us to do it every day. Father, I pray that you'd bless our offering. Thank you that we get to be a part of your team doing what you do in this world. And I pray that if there's anyone here right now who's struggling with unforgiveness, that after the service, that they would not leave until they talk to someone. God, I pray that they'd be part of that class as well. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.